it than found Night by night and tear by tear Somehow, someway we all get to someday Mile by mile and fear by fear in prison pursuit of entertainment, agitation, and some adjective to be named later. The home Stommy proudly presents Trequest 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else they want to talk about. Your host for Trequest 5 are Joey and Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 184. I am Peter. And I am Joey. Um, okay, taking a break from the LAN party. It's happening upstairs. Uh, uh, good times. Free pizza from uh, from work, so that's always nice. And free for me cake. Yeah, that's true. It wasn't free for me. I, <laughs> I ponied up the money for the cake. Uh, fun, fun experience that was. Uh, tasty cake. Yeah. Tasty cake, by the way. Um, yeah, welcome back, everyone. Uh, I guess we should start off by saying sorry for Podcast 183, for those of you who are iTunes listeners, and uh, it wasn't there for most of the week. Yeah. Uh, Joey finally got it sorted out. I had some trouble because couldn't find the password to the FeedBurner account, and <laughs> then, uh, well... That, just... that still didn't refresh it, and I ended up having to repost the whole thing. Yeah. Right, so uh, it hasn't happened for a long time. So let's just everybody cool off and just realize it hasn't <laughs> happened in a while. And uh, I'm not you know, fired yet. It's it's an oddity. It's not the norm. Uh, but we're back, and it's it's posted back up there. Matter of fact, uh, there's an email uh, from listener M. He says it seems that the feed is fixed now, as show 183 finally downloaded in my podcast application. I would like to give a thumbs up to the sys admins and whoever else worked round the clock this week to fix whatever was wrong. <laughs> uh, so, Joey, thank you for working round the clock. Yeah. Um, I feel like if you actually did that, you are incredibly inept. Well, yeah, I should have um, just moved the clock out of the way. <laughs> uh, good one. Uh, okay, any... Uh, Fun th- announcements this week? Anything happening for you? Nothing that uh, I can share yet. There probably will be a incredibly tasty Adventures in Republican coming up. Yeah, I think you you teased this a little bit with me, so I, I'm aware of it. And uh, it's one of those things you just shake your heads at. But hey, that's Republicans for you, yep. everybody. Um, let's see, it was reviews, this annual reviews, so we got raises and uh, confirmation that, uh, yes, I am liked here at work by my bosses. Wait, were we supposed to get a raise? Um, yes, I was. <laughs> uh, I don't know about you. I'm spectacular around here. Uh, so that that's, uh, that's always nice. Uh, nothing bad said about you, and we're going to give you more money. So, yeah. wow. I'll, I'll take it. I'll continue to come here. Um, let's see. That's all for me. Uh, let's just jump into Facebook Find of the Week. Okay, we don't have any email preface. Um, I was going to read this with uh, Listener M's Top 5, but maybe we can just do this now. 
Mark says, a note about last week's submission. His email included a picture of the Simpsons um, of this picture right here. You can't okay. really see yeah. it super well, but you can make out the, the, the most of it. It's, it's a small picture. Um, we're across the room from each other. And it is in black and white. It is. It is in black and white. Um, and grays. It's also in grays. Okay. There are some grays. Uh, he says, I'm surprised that Pete doesn't know about the Simpsons-style artwork I found last week. I am, actually. I had seen it once before. Just throwing that out there. I'm not as though I'm ignorant to what the Simpsons had done there. Um, he says, uh, my, my issue was the people that are in the photo, number one, there were a couple of them. I'm like, I don't know who that's supposed to be. Okay. And if it's who I think it could be, I don't want Joey seeing that. Uh, potentially coloring his view. Uh, because, again, it's a Simpsons thing, so I don't know exactly who those characters are supposed to represent. Cause it's Look, if Simpsons-y. you don't know who those characters are supposed to be represent, there's no way I'm going to know who they're supposed to oh, represent. Oh, You've watched far more Simpsons than I have. Um, no, they were these same characters drawn in the style of the Simpsons. Oh, I see. It wasn't okay. Bart and Lisa. It was from here. It looked it like that six. was Marge standing standing up in the middle. Yep, that's Marge. That is Marge. <laughs> no, uh, again, it's this a small picture. This it's isn't across real. the room. This is not the Simpsons. Oh, I see. Okay, not real. <laughs> All right. Uh, he continues. Let's just read the rest of his email. Okay. Poor guy. Uh, it only reveals that we don't know who the final Cylon is. Also, Joey should note that sometimes a great notion is the first episode of the second half of season four. The episode aired six months after Revelations. Joey seemed confused about why Sharon Agathon was not in custody. Perhaps the writers just forgot during their break. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which, uh, far be it from writers to uh, forget something. Um, Facebook find of the week. Okay. So, there were a few submissions... Uh, there were not a ton that I was like, oh man, this is so fantastic. But there once, the, the one that I thought was the neatest was the baby name tool, where you could type in any name, boy or girl, uh, and you could specify just specifically boy, you could specify just specifically girl, um, and you could even do it like at, per letter that you type, it would narrow down the okay. range of results that you would get. Um, and it was pretty neat. Of course, I looked at my name. Uh, seemed like there was a spike in the 50s uh, for my name. And then it's pretty much tapered off. I'm like, I don't understand why people aren't using the name Peter to name their children. Well, because we just don't use that much salt Peter anymore, I think. Um, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> let's Let's listen. I don't hear anyone else laughing. What in the world is salt Peter? <laughs> it's used in making gunpowder. I have never heard that term before. Really? Yeah. So is that a, a chemistry term? Or yes. is that like old-timey, you know, oh, I'm going to go mix up some gunpowder. You, you know, they, they, may, they may call it something else. Like a chemist would probably have a different name for it. The colloquial name that I learned for it was salt Peter. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, hmm. Yeah, so Fishhead, thank you very much for posting that up there. I enjoyed it. I thought it was kind of neat. I even started typing in a few different names, uh, mainly of girls that I knew that I had crushes on. I don't know why or what that says about me, 
Still uh, carrying a torch, Pete. <laughs> clearly I am. I'm just so lonely all the time. Why wouldn't those women love me back? Um, anyway, I, neat tool. I don't know who made it. Uh, I'm sure JavaScript is involved in, at some point. Uh, yeah, so that's that. Okay, I'll check it out. Um, let's do top five. Okay. Um, and we'll start with listener N, just to get him out of the way. He's in the way all the time. <laughs> I was just thinking. So much you, in the you, way. You're trying to get him out of the way. Yeah. Uh, to be brief, anyway. He says, as I look over my vast collection of movies, I realize that I don't have very many traditional animated movies in my collection. It will be difficult for me to come up with a list for this subject, but here goes. These are the best animated movies that I can't come... uh, So I can't come up with a specific order. So, in no particular order, but I'm going to read them in order. (laughs) It's going to become an order. Okay. But it's Uh, not a particular order. No. Iron Giant. Mm. Aladdin. Spirited Away, Roger Rabbit, and The Little Mermaid. And oddly enough, he wrote in parentheses 1989. (laughs) As though the 19 whatever else. Is there another Little Mermaid that I'm not aware of? There is a uh, like direct-to-video one. You know, those terrible knockoff ones that go straight to Walmart. And, they, and you look at the spine and all it says is The Little Mermaid and you go buy it and then you get home and you find out this is not the Disney movie. This is something someone else made. I, I don't know what that is. I, I have clearly more d- discerning tastes and uh, uh, when I come up with, you know, choosing, hey, a movie I want to go buy, I don't just go and, you know, I feel bad for you and your children that you're just randomly going in there and saying, Oh, yeah, Little Mermaid, now, okay. To be clear, I never said that I've ever bought one of these, but I've been in people's homes who had them. Hmm. And you're like, hey, they're like, hey, you guys want to watch Little Mermaid? You're like, sure. And they put in <laughs> some terrible, terrible film, and you're like, The Little Mermaid? Yeah, it says right here on the on on the DVD case. Okay. I, those people were raised by wolves, if that's the case. <laughs> Uh, Mark, I want an explanation. I want an explanation as to why you put 1989 in parentheses there. Um, What uh, what are you thinking? You probably copied it off of Wikipedia. Uh, I I don't believe that. (laughs) I don't believe that, though I have no evidence to uh, the contrary. Uh, Let's do uh, Brainy. He says, hey dudes, yay for everyone. Happy Drupalets to all and to all a good night. Nice top five idea. But... Before we go into that, I ask the overlords if it may be possible to announce the next top five on the podcast. It will help the formation of more creative lists and possibly grab some more participants. I also really think it would be cool to do top five TV series when we cover the last episode of BSG. Yay! Um, you have mentioned that it is, uh, I am aware of it. It's, it's probably going to be the thing that we choose and you bring up an excellent point, which is neither Joey nor I seem to bother to do much in the way of planning. <laughs> we just like, uh, look at each other on Tuesday or Wednesday. Are we 
recording this week? Is that, <laughs> is that happening? I, uh, I don't know. What? Uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, 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 we're, we're recording. And so Thursday, we actually watch the episodes. At least that, that's when I usually watch them. And it is at that point that I realized, oh, right, I haven't sent out the email for this week yet. <laughs> and so I then go and choose the top five because Joey abdicated that responsibility. He gave up on all of you. I did not. Uh, so it takes a bit of forethought on our part to choose this top five whilst recording so that you guys could know. I think it's a grand idea. I'm not prepared to choose a top five unless Joey has a suggestion off the cuff right now. Top five non-traditional animated movies. <laughs> why, why don't we just say the top five uh, Pixar movies then? <laughs> CG movies. Well, there may be some other form of animation of which I'm not aware, and maybe our <laughs> listeners will broaden our horizons. <laughs> the old flip book. <laughs> That's a kid where you draw a stick figure on every page well, and you uh, flip through. So here's a question. Would you consider claymation a non-traditional form of animation? Um, That's a good discussion point. Let's not have that discussion. I say we go with the top five non-traditional animated movies, and let's see what happens. They, they've got a whole week to think about it, or at least five days, assuming we get the podcast live on Monday. <laughs> that's, not, that's, not, that's unfair to us. Like, once again, <laughs> it's not the norm. We usually put these out, and they're just fine. It was, by the way, it was Amazon that screwed things no. up. No. So think it was you Amazon. just have admitted that it was the file name that was bad? No, I think it was FeedBurner. That screwed up, and iTunes hit FeedBurner when FeedBurner was down. See, here's the problem with suggesting that. People could not download the Amazon link directly. And that's that not true. That, yes, no, it is true, that is because false. that's how Dean goes through and does it. I played it. Yes, you that played morning. it after it. Amazon had already fixed itself. Hmm. I played it when I after I posted it because the first thing I always do after I post the link before I send it to you is I play it in my browser and make sure it plays. Right, makes sense. But what what I think we're getting not focusing in on is when we actually pu publish the podcast, sorry, the blog post which has the the link, the link in it for for FeedBurner that it looks at and picks up. Amazon was down at that point. That's what I'm saying is happening because. Dean tried to listen to it in his browser and it didn't work? That is correct. I was not and, aware of that information. And uh, Mark had the same problem as okay. well. Mark said that it was the same problem. Interesting. Okay. Um, I thought it was just iTunes that was having the problem. No, no. Um, so, next week, top five animal noises. <laughs> top five animal noises. <laughs> I'm not prepared to discuss the claymation stuff yet. You're forcing me into a... I'm, I'm very vexed now. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, just because I can't I can't even think of claymation stuff outside of, like, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the California Raisins that I've, that I've watched. I, I can't think of any movies okay. like that. But you would have time to go research it and look. Oh, hell no. That, that is not happening. <laughs> that, there is no way in the I, world I, I, that's I can, happening. I can tell you at least two other claymation movies. There's... James and the Giant Peach? 
Um, was that claymation? Well, I thought that was stop motion CGI. animation. No, it's not CGI. Oh wait, sorry, not James and the Giant Peach. Uh, I'm thinking of the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, which is actually more stop motion than claymation, but in my mind, those kind of get conflated into one form of art. I realize it's probably unfair to at least one, if not both, of those groups of artists. <laughs> it is what it is. We're sorry, but uh, yeah. So there's, if you if you say stop motion animation, there's a lot in there. I think. I suppose Chicken Run. Yeah. Uh, that one was, because that was done by the folks who did Wallace and Gromit, I was going to say, the Wallace and Gromit stuff? Uh, I've never actually seen any of their movies, and only small portions of, like, some of their little skits and whatnot. I think they only have one movie, or at least I only know of one movie. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I don't know. I think it's a topic worth... (sighs) Let's hear Brainy's list. Okay. We can all agree we want to hear that. Yes, Absolutely. Um, top five Anna movies. <laughs> Honorable mention to Yellow Submarine and Trek the Animated Series and the Batman stuff. Okay. Traditional for sure. Number five, Princess Mononoke. Beautiful art and music. <laughs> I'm not sure how this one is traditional animation. Number four, Simpsons movie. Sorry, incredibly well-written songs by Trey Parker and Blame Canada was nominated for Song of the Year at the Oscars. Uh, sorry, no, I, I went down too far. Uh, a perfect attempt at a long-awaited, hyped-out expectation. Do. Um, was Simpsons CGI animation? It is. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I don't know anymore. Back in the, like... The heyday of The Simpsons, when everybody says it was good, that was totally traditional. Okay. What they do now is so crisp, so clear, I have a hard time believing that that's the traditional style. Interesting. Okay. I could be wrong. Please, please correct me. Uh, number three, South Park's movie. Sorry, incredibly well-written songs by Trey Parker and Blame Canada was nominated for Song of the Year at the Oscars. Never saw that one. Neither did I. Not a South Park fan. Neither am I. Number two, Dumbo. If you haven't seen Dumbo, accidentally get drunk and have a trippy dream where pink elephants are on parade. You are missing out. Technicolor pachyderms. Um, I remember seeing Dumbo, and I remember, even as a kid, not thinking much of it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Number one, Akira. It's just timeless and the best. To this day, so many years later, it still looks better and different than anything else Joey can ever possibly see. Okay. He didn't add that part. (laughs) I saw the look on your face. Well... There was a grimace. Chagrin. Disapproving. No, no, not disapproving. Uh, Akira is one that I struggle with because it was really good. For its time, as far as the the art style and stuff like that, but the movie itself is so weird. I ha- I struggle with putting it at the top of any of my own lists, just because the story itself is just kind it's just of bizarre. Okay, well, I think as with any movie, plot story has got to be important. Regard, you know, you can yeah. make the 
coolest looking stuff, but you know, I, I, I've I've long suspected that there's probably some cultural gap thing there because it, Akira, as I understand it, was originally a Japanese made movie. I, I think Japanese. I think there is a cultural gap that maybe I'm just not appreciating how some of that stuff comes out of Japanese culture. And if I were more familiar with it, maybe I would uh, uh, appreciate the story better. But it is where it is right now. I, I just, I struggle because it, I, I see why people appreciate it so much, but the story was just a little clunky for me. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. You don't have to like every story. Uh, Joey, why don't you give us uh, your top five? I really struggled with this. Um, mostly because I, there were so many that I enjoy that mm-hmm. I had a hard time narrowing it down. Okay. But uh, I, I want to give a special honorable mention to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Simply because it was so groundbreaking. And still today I look at that artwork and think, that is just fantastic. It's so beautifully drawn. It's so well colored. It's not cartoony in the sense that a lot of stuff that comes out today. Uh, out of the traditional style of animation. I, I really enjoy it for that. Uh, but the story was never my favorite. You know, it's it's far more, I think, of a little girl kind of movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's it's not in my top five, but I still think it deserves a mention here. Okay. My number five is An American Tale. Uh, big fan of that story. Fievel and, and, you know, and his sister and the Mouskowitz family. I remember that movie as a kid. I do. Uh, number four is Beauty and the Beast. Uh, this is surprisingly the only traditional Disney movie that made my list. Um, I, I honestly, I, I went back and forth. I was like, Aristocats and Lion King, there's some that I like that maybe people my age don't usually like. There's some that I like that, anyway. You, you like Aristocats? I do like the Aristocats, yes. I'm probably the only person that does. Wow. <laughs> I, I've seen it. I don't love it. Uh, I like jazz music, and it it's very much about jazz culture. Like, there's a lot of little pieces, tidbits here and there in it about that cultural experience, that time period, mm-hmm. that lifestyle. I enjoy it for that. Okay. Be, beyond, above and beyond the storyline, there, there's a lot of little things in it that I, I really appreciate. Uh, my number three is the, the Goofy movie. So this is clearly a Disney movie, but that's why I said it's you know non not really a traditional Disney movie. I love this movie so much. I I still sing the songs. Uh, you know the story of a dad trying to connect to his son is something that resonates very much for me. I just I love this on so many levels. Uh, number two is All Dogs Go to Heaven. Never seen. Oh, you're missing out. Never have seen it. I think I think you'd enjoy it. I heard that it was not really a happy movie per se. Not your traditional happy movie. Because as the title indicates... The main character dies. <laughs> there's going to be a death here someplace. But he At goes to one. heaven, Pete. He goes to heaven. And that's the important part. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the, the main plot is of a dog who here on Earth was a gambler and a drinker and a, a criminal... And he gets to heaven, and they're like, well, you know, all dogs go to heaven because... So he actually dies at the very beginning of the movie. They're like, yeah, you know, every dog gets to go to heaven because dogs are naturally good and loyal and kind. And they bring out the book of his life, and they're like, 
surely there must be some goodness and loyalty in here somewhere. Uh, and he ends up escaping from heaven and coming back to Earth because he's like, you know what? I'm not done. I liked Earth. I liked my life down there. I was quite happy there. He comes back down to Earth and over the course of the movie, redeems himself. Okay. That's the, the general plot. It, it's got, I think, some really fun songs in it. The art style, in in a lot of ways, it, you know, it's that Don Bluth kind of overdrawn, I think some people consider art style. I think it's very, very beautiful. Uh, and the story is very heartwarming, I find. Okay. Uh, you know, and my number one is Iron Giant. Uh, this this movie is great on so many levels. Probably my favorite thing about this movie is it got me to appreciate Michael Kamen, who is the composer for mm-hmm. it. And if it were not for Michael Kamen, I probably would never have listened to a Metallica song. Because prior to the SNL, uh, S&M album, I'd never really sat down and listened to Metallica. Just didn't ever think twice about it. And then I saw that, oh, Michael Kamen is doing something with Metallica. This this has my attention now because Michael Kamen's that guy that did the Iron Giant. And I loved that soundtrack. And turned me on to Metallica and I've, I've learned to really enjoy Metallica as a result. But back to the movie of the Iron Giant. You know, it's set, again, it's set in this 1950s time period when space and there's the wonder, you know, Sputnik's out floating above us. It's terrifying. Uh, just really, really love this movie. Okay. Uh, I also had a large list of options uh, that I had to whittle down. Um, when I when I want to watch a, an animated thing, I, I, you know, sure, as a kid, this is what I saw. So this is, what, you know, nostalgia sure. factor. But I still, I like the art that is represented via these types of movies uh, rather than some of the crisper, cleaner, sharper <laughs> images that we get with something like Toy Story. Yeah. Which, beautiful, fantastic, wonderful movies that they are, those CG types. Um, I kind of I kind of like this stuff. Uh, so, number five is going to be The Black Cauldron. Okay. Uh, as a kid, this is... I couldn't even tell you the plot to this day. But as a kid, it's the it's the it's a, the sword and the sorcerer type of movie, and my imagination just went wild and crazy with that. It's, that's probably the reason why I love Dungeons and Dragons as much as nice. I probably do. So I have to ask you: Have you ever bothered to read the series? No, the Chronicles of Perdane. But as far as I know, the it was a Disney creation. Lock, stock, and barrel. There was nothing else that this comes from. Do you, would you like me to just briefly mention? Sure, yeah. Feel so free. It, it's written. It's a, it's taken from a series of children's novels called the Chronicles of Perdane, written by a guy Lloyd Alexander. It's a, I think there's five books in the series, and it's a lot of it is based in Nordic myth. Um, I actually think you might really enjoy the novels. They're they're pretty short reads. They're all pretty quick reads because they're meant for younger kids. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think you could probably tear through the whole thing in two or three days. That does sound like the sort of thing I would prefer more. Um, uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, it's you know it's maybe. it's very reminiscent of kind of the Lord of the Rings. It's got that you know the 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 hero you're watching the hero evolve and grow as a person over the mm-hmm. course of the novels and stuff like that. I enjoy them. I think they're fantastic books. Okay. Number four is Beauty and the Beast. Um, I think 
Belle may be the most attractive of the princesses. I didn't want to say that in my review. I was trying to stay away from that phrase. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you liked uh, The Little Mermaid. I thought Ariel was uh, more your style. I like The Little Mermaid, um, but I think Belle is the more classically beautiful. Um, but more than that, more than the creepy old dude, <laughs> um, I, I do appreciate the story of overcoming one's faults and failings. And uh, love is also nice uh, as well. Uh, so I, I, I like all of that stuff. At least you imagine it is. <laughs> Thank you, I guess. Boy, now I feel just depressed. <laughs> I have no idea what real love feels like. Um, number three is a tie. And I know this is cheap, um, <laughs> but I don't care. Because I could not pick a winner between Lion King and Aladdin. Um, they were fabulous movies, great story, great voices, um, and the artwork is really similar to each other and just fantastic. Um, not only that, my nephew, um, the one I'm thinking of, he was growing up right about this time. He loved Simba, and then he started watching, um, Aladdin, because I think Aladdin came first. Yeah, it did. Um, and he, you know he he loved those movies and i watched them with him and it was so much fun we could pretend together you know as a little 2 year old boy um and for myself i could still watch those movies today even after having seen them so many times you know and, and still get uh, enjoyment out of it what's interesting to me is as a kid i was far more excited for aladdin to come out than i was for the Lion King. Uh, I remember catching a, I don't even know what it was. It may have been like E! News or something like that, where they had a sneak preview of Aladdin. And they had the uh, the first the song where Aladdin and Genie meet for the first time. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can't remember. It's... Oh, I just can't wait to be king? Yes, that's the one. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, so I recorded that on a videotape and I played it over and over again until I had the song completely memorized. And this is like weeks before the movie came out in theaters. I was so, so excited about this. But just in the past three or four years, I don't know why, but I've kind of soured to Aladdin. Uh, it, it just doesn't hold a place of high praise for me. I'm kind of like, yeah, it was just kind of so-so really as a movie. Lion King, I agree. It's a, it's a great one. Number two is going to go to Fantasia. Not only is the music fantastic, because I love the, the symphonic style, um, the art of this, as it combines with the music, is wonderful. Um, the, the imagination of these um, animators who, who made this stuff, uh, that's fantastic what they were able to do. Um, I, it's probably been a decade since I've seen it, but that still does not diminish, um, the number of times that I have seen it in the past and how much I enjoy it. Um, love it. Okay. Um, number one, G.I. Joe, the movie. <laughs> now, when I wrote this. Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, when I wrote this, uh, I remember thinking, Oh, yeah, everybody else loves the Transformers. I remember the Transformers movie. I never got to see it. I don't believe to this day I've ever actually seen Transformers the movie. I've never seen it either. 
Um, but G.I. Joe the movie totally saw. Because it came out on television. Uh, I don't remember. I have oh, okay. no memory of it. Okay. I, all I know is I have seen it. Uh, but tra- G.I. Joe was one of those things that I was apparently allowed to watch. Um, and the storyline even to this day, um, I can remember. I, I remember the end when they figure out how they're going to stop Cobra from infiltrating. They're going to fry him in space. Um, it, <laughs> I love that movie. It, I, I remember it completely changing the landscape of G.I. Joe, like... Because after the movie came out on the regular series, some of these characters that were introduced for the movie became recurring characters yeah. on the show. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that aspect of it. So let me ask you: Would you be interested in sometime as a gift getting the T-shirt that's out there that it has the GI Joe logo and then it has a pie chart? Have you seen this one? I don't think I have. It has uh, half the pie chart, so you got a half on one side, and then you've got the other half cut into half, so it's quarters. So it says. On the half of it says knowing, uh huh, and on the other half it says red lasers on one, and I blue have lasers seen that. on the other. I have seen that, yeah. Um, no, because I feel that that is insulting GI <laughs> Joe, and uh, nobody insults GI Joe. Um, yeah, so okay, top five. Uh, Dean, thank you again for the suggestion uh, of that uh, list. Um, I guess we'll do the non-traditional animated movies and and feel free to stretch the boundaries <laughs> with this yeah, uh, that, that was brainy's whole point right is that people can go do more research and we can get more interesting lists out hopefully let's see um, so don't let brainy down everyone <laughs> his fate is in your hands the uh the next thing on the podcast is brainy's nook of darkness he says, this week's highlight is my second favorite podcast. Welcome to Night Vale. If you have not heard of this, you should have. It was iTunes' most downloaded podcast of 2013. And one or two million dudes and dudettes downloaded it in its bi-monthly installments. One reason for the popularity of this creative phenomenon is that you will hear it, Love it. And when you try to recommend it to your friends, you have no idea how to describe it. (laughs) One can say at least that it is a radio drama installed in 25-minute episodes taking place in a small southwestern town where uh, where every conspiracy theory is real. There have been a few special guests on the program, all of whom I love. Mara Wilson as the faceless old lady who lives in your home. What was that? I, I was wondering if this was the podcast that I recently only discovered because I've started reading Mara Wilson's blog. Oh, okay. I've not heard of this podcast anywhere else, but when he, when you said it, I thought, I wonder, if the, is that the one that Mara Wilson's been talking about that she's in? Uh, do you know who Mara Wilson is? I have no idea. She's the little, uh, the little dark-haired girl in Miracle on 34th Street and... Mrs. Doubtfire, the really breathy voice, little dark-haired girl. She's all grown up now. Uh, doesn't do m- movies anymore. Oh, so she's not the same age as when she did nope. those movies. T- t- turns out she uh, <laughs> does age. So, surprised? I know. I I was too. 
So is she just a voice actress or is she in a writer? Well, she so I think she I think that it was as I understand from her blog, this is just kind of a a project with a bunch of friends, but she doesn't do straight up acting anymore because she she basically got soured to the lifestyle as a mm-hmm. child actor mm-hmm. who was really famous for a brief period of time. It just she she got turned off on the whole thing. And just said, I'm done. I'm not going back to acting. I have no interest in it anymore. It wasn't enjoyable for me. Uh, but sometimes I enjoy hanging out with these people that I had access to because I was a child actor. And, that, and that's how she got involved in this project. Nice. So I, this, it's great to hear a review of this because I haven't heard about it anywhere else. And I've been wondering, oh, you know, maybe I'll pick this up because I'm wondering what Mara Wilson's doing lately. Okay. Uh, Brainy continues. Yeah. Jackson Public... From the Venture Brothers as Hiram McDaniels, the five-headed dragon running for mayor, and the lovely Jessica Nicole of Fringe, who plays Dana, the trans-dimensional intern. Every episode is mostly narrated by Cecil, a radio news reporter dude who is faithfully trying to keep his little desert town informed of its paranormal activities through a news radio program. This leads me to arrive upon an apt comparison by which to describe Night Vale. It is the progeny of the Twilight Zone and the Onion. (laughs) It's weird and hilarious. Night Vale is one of the most creative and original narratives I have ever encountered. Fans find themselves constantly texting each other any number of the show's amazing one-liners. Here is an example from my buddy and I. Quote, School board has announced that math and English are switching names. Their curriculum will remain exactly the same. (laughs) Close quote. Quote, But, as the old saying goes, if wishes were horses, those... Those hoses would run away shrieking and bucking from something terrifying, unseen evil. I, I'm Close quote. supposed to be horses. I, I agree. You're just that uncomfortable editing the man on the fly. I have been doing that. <laughs> it says hoses. And if this is something that weird, okay. maybe okay. the phrase legitimately changes to hoses. Okay, I see your point. He continues, Night Vale's creator, Joseph Fink... Produce, uh, provided a succinct description for his this production of Commonplace Books on their webpage. The program features, quote, community updates for the small desert town of Nightvale, featuring local weather, news, announcements from the sheriff's secret police, mysterious lights in the night sky, dark hooded figures with unknowable powers, and cultural events. Turn on your radio and hide, close quote. I can't decide if my favorite character is Cecil, the glow cloud that is running for school board, or Hiram, the five-headed dragon, who gives amazing campaign speeches. At the risk of repeating myself, Night Vale is one of the few moments where our culture produces a work of art so inventive that it epitomizes the essence of creativity. I think a hugely contributing factor for the success is that the show is funded by the listeners. This is a sign of the times, for our culture's current communication abilities allow the creators to have close interaction 
with the fans. One more awesome detail. Every episode for the weather segment features a song by a not very well known yet musician. It's a great way to discover new music while also providing a channel for the singer or the band to get some exposure. Hmm. Your humble ambassador is currently submitting an original song for the show. One more thing, it contains no vulgarities or inappropriate language. So I challenge you to just take a half hour to listen to the pilot and see what you think. Try to stop listening. Sci-Fi 10, Music 10, Radio Production 10. Wow. Um, and then he includes a link to uh, commonplacebooks.com. Um, so that's uh, pretty high praise. Yeah, I, I'm excited now to go give it a listen. It does sound interesting. As he was explaining about uh, Cecil the Glow Cloud and Hiram the Five-Headed Dragon, I'm starting to think, oh, yeah, <laughs> this could get weird. But maybe, maybe it is as fun as, as he suggested it is. Maybe we'll have to give it a listen. Um, okay, that was Brainy's Nook. Okay. Joey's Culture Corner. Uh, today we're going to discuss Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson. This is uh, one of the traditional Brandon Sanderson high fantasy novels. One of the things that is interesting about Sanderson, he tends to write, well, I should say, in, in hearing him speak, he talks about how he comes up with an idea for a magic system and then he writes a narrative around that. And in this case, the magic system is color. All magic is powered by color, and they drain the color from something and use that to power their magical abilities. Um, Wait, let me ask. May I ask a question? Yeah. So the color orange. Does it have a specific property or power? So the color orange always gives you really great vision. No. So it could be used for anything. I just drain said color from a shirt. Yes. Yeah. That's a good example. Okay. All right. Thank so, you. And Sorry. so a, lo a lot of the, uh, there's a certain class of citizens who wear drab coloring around all the time to indicate that they're not a threat. Because if I have colorful, because not everyone can use magic. It's only, there's only certain people who can. Question. Yes. I have a pretty magnificent beard. You do? There is color associated with this beard you of know, mine. I, 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 you're you're going to ask about organic draining from organic? Yeah. Because that's that's basically where the color comes from. Yeah. So, I can't remember if that's addressed in the book or not. Okay. It's been a little while since I read it, and I don't remember. I want to say I remember something about it, like there was some rule. I can't remember if it was for or against but I want to say it actually was addressed as part of the novel. Okay, interesting. All right, continue, continue. <laughs> uh, th this is actually the, the aspect of Sanderson's novels that I enjoy the most. Uh, I don't always like his dialogue. Sometimes I feel like he could use a better editor. Um, but the, the, the creativity that he brings to the systems of magic and, and the internal consistency he's able to create and maintain as he comes up with these systems of magic. I, I think it's really fantastic. Uh, this book is 
Right now, it's a standalone novel. He's talked about how there is a little bit more to the story, so they'll probably we'll see another novel at uh, some point down the road. It, it's fairly large. I, I want to say I think it was five or six hundred pages, so it's you know it's not a light novel, uh, but it was a, a very well developed story, vibrant world, and out of the the work of Sanderson's that I've read, which everything except for the Wheel of Time novels, I think I've pretty much read everything of his. I think this was, for me, as a reader, this was the point where I felt Sanderson kind of turned a corner on the quality of his writing and paid as much attention to the quality of his writing as he did to the consistency of his system of magic. I see. Um, I, I give it a thumb up. I recommend it. If you, you know, if you like fantasy novels at all, I think you'll enjoy this. There are twists that I didn't see coming that I really enjoyed. Moving on to episodes, we are going to cover episodes 13 through 14 of Battlestar Galactica Season 4. We'll start with episode 13, The Oath. It's a coup, and things get ugly fast. (laughs) Uh, I said a while back, you know, a lot of people are going to (laughs) die. It was this I was referring to. There's going to be more of this more (laughs) but this was the thing that i was referring to you know it's really interesting the the opposite of autocracy is anarchy and that's really what we have here i mean gata and zarek think they're in charge but it's anarchy i might disagree poorly organized (laughs) Um, dictatorship is I wouldn't classify that as anarchy Um, man this is so painful for me to see these episodes as I I had mentioned to you before we ever saw the series um, that you know I really like the character of Gaeta he is my favorite but I really don't like what happens to Gaeta yeah um that was Dee Dee's comment actually in these two episodes as well. She's like, I really used to like him. He seemed like such a nice guy. Yeah. Um, but here's one of the nice things. I guess this is the nice thing. It is totally believable in the arc. Yeah. There are times when television happens, you're like, wait, what? That character just did that? What? <laughs> Where did that come from? This total Fits sense. the narrative, yep. Um, and so the, the, the writers, the, the people who planned this out just did a spectacular job at, I don't know if they were setting this up, but this is well done. Um, so we begin, uh, with some trouble in the fleet. You know, I, I I just want to throw out at the beginning here. Mm -hmm. Uh, many, many years ago, I, I'm going to put the word accidentally out there. I accidentally watched Mel Brooks's History of the World Part One. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was going to be part of a series, and I thought it was going to be a documentary on the history of the world. Didn't know who Mel Brooks was. Still, don't think I've ever seen any other Mel Brooks movie. Oh come on! I mean, I've seen pieces like I've seen Young Frankenstein clips and stuff like that, but I don't think I've ever seen another the, the classic. Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. I've never seen Blazing Saddles. Come on. Never seen it. You know, if it weren't for the fact that I don't want this podcast to be about 
vulgarities and <laughs> focusing on that. I would totally do that as, as a, a podcast. movie <laughs> podcast because that is awesome in so many different arenas. Really? Young Frankenstein as well is a very, very funny movie. It's these dry one-liners that it's just, <laughs> oh, bless well, I, you. I, I, bless I, you, Mel Brooks. Mwah. As I said, I've seen I've seen clips here and there of different ones. Although I don't know if I've ever seen a clip of Blazing Saddles. If I did, I didn't know it. Young Frankenstein, it's it's black and white. And uh-huh. It's you yep. know, yep. it's very clear you're you're seeing Young Frankenstein. I don't think I've ever seen a clip of Blazing Saddles. Nobody so, moves on the gets it. <laughs> that means nothing to me. Sorry. Anyway, oh, uh, all of that is an aside because. What, what I, where I was trying to it's go with this. horribly racist. Oh, okay. Horribly <laughs> racist. But it. it is, without a doubt, one of the funniest movies that isn't really insultingly racist. <laughs> like, it's making fun of everyone. Gotcha. Uh, wow. Anyway, so with History of the World, there's, there's a scene in there. It's during the French Revolution period where one of the characters says, Sire, the citizens are revolting. And the king's like, boy, I'll agree with you on that one. They stink. (laughs) Uh, And so in in the beginning of this episode, Ty turns to Adam and he says, we have 15 ships revolting. And I just immediately. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, well, let's see. It's going to be the waste processing ship. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So we pick up almost, you know, the next day, so to speak, because. They show the little time frame. It starts at like six in the morning. Yeah, and Adama's still in Rosalind's quarters from having spent the night there. Or, or the Rosalind's, other way around. You're right. Yeah. The other way around. Um, so still the problem with the the fleet, but they've they've stabilized things ish. Um, Gata has a plan and begins to execute this plan to break out Zarek. Yeah, from prison. He's got. He's got the Marines on his side. He's He's got this all planned out. And one of the great things is that it, in this episode so heavily is before everything comes out, everything hinges on his point as this communications officer who or this guy who controls the communications right. for the ship, for the fleet, etc. Um, anyway, they, they manage to get down to... The hangar bay, they managed to clear the bay, so to speak. Oh, no, there's a fuel leak. Everybody get out. Um, I guess we'll, we'll believe that. Um, but this one guy comes back in. This is a guy who came from the Pegasus. Yeah, yeah. This, this was the guy who was in Razor, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. He's a guy who was basically um, taken at you know by force. His family was killed. And... He is like questioning this, like, no, I, I don't, I don't remember an order coming down for you know that this was this ship was going to be used to do this specific thing. And he's kind of Carol's replacement, is he not? Uh, they call him yeah, Chief. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um. Anyway, th- Zarek finally comes up behind him, grabs a wrench, and clubs him over the back of the head, apparently to the degree that he kills him. Oh, I didn't realize he was supposed to be dead. Yeah, because they make a big. I I mean, I saw because this is the Gata the, is upset. Gata this is, is upset, the first blood, and it's because uh, actually, Zara comes and he's like, "This is just the first one." Right, but I thought like, this is 
You better get used to this I game thought it was because blood being shed, coming. not actual death. But I'm with you. Yeah. Drag him away. They make their escape. He heads back over to um, Colonial One. Yeah, I actually... the 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 phrase that I wrote down is almost the phrase that Zarek uses later. He's, I wrote... It's a coup, Felix. Did you really think it was going to be all puppies and rainbows? <laughs> I mean, like, Felix Gata is just, like, stunned by this. I'm like, dude, you're planning on taking it by force. You don't take it by force and be a nice guy. These are mutually exclusive goals. Yeah. Um. So the Cylons are starting to get rounded up. Anders is beaten. Yeah. And taken hostage. Uh, What's her name? I can't remember what her name is. Uh, the one that comes in and she's like, Hey, I, I kind of thought we might've been a thing once yeah, and distracts him to the point where the people come in, which means I actually liked her. I thought she was one of the good people, but no, she hates Cylons. Can't get past this. You know, we cheered for her in one episode. Now yep. we hate her yeah. for, for what she's done. Um, Starbuck. I have a note here. She dishes it out, but can't take it. Who was that that she was having this interchange with? Was it Hot Dog? It was Hot Dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. As, you know, all of this stuff is starting to happen. Okay. The, not, the ship hasn't figured this out yet. Um, Hot Dog is packing up these uh, dolls, these little toys that he's going to go take to his son. And Starbuck makes this, you know, really snide comment and... Um, hot dog throws one right back at her and she her reaction is to throw her food throw her porridge at him <laughs> because well, it's starbuck um unstable uh, even, even post death <laughs> gata manages to shut things down via communications he controls everything the reports that come in they don't go anywhere because they go straight to him right uh the, the ones that are going out don't really actually go out or he sends ones out that he shouldn't be yeah um i think this is where uh it's reported that there's a fire yes there's this fire happening and oh what are we going to do about this eventually i don't remember where this happens in in the the line um adama says i don't know what's going on here run down there yeah Double time it down there. Big ship, by the way. <laughs> Send this kid. Run down there. Give me eyes on what's going on. Report back. And so he does that. That's when Gata makes the full coup. Yep. Uh, so I th- I'm confident I'm jumping over a few things there. So Starbuck, after she realizes what's going on, she manages to get her her own weapons. And... So she hasn't been, you know, picked up and taken away and put in chains anywhere. She's now fighting back. Yeah, it becomes diehard Galactica. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things when Zarek is on Colonial One, he manages to play Lee into getting Lee to leave Colonial One and fly back to uh, Galactica. And so he gets there and he's immediately taken hostage. While there, Starbuck comes out. And shoots a guy right in the head, blood spatters, and they're like, "She's like, yep, I'm gonna start killing the rest of you unless you let Lee go." And she actually shoots the second guy right away. Yes, she does. In the end, I think she shot three, 
Uh, but there were a group of them there. You know, hot shot that she is, literally. Um, and Lee manages to get away with Starbuck, and they, they head off. And they're going to go do their thing, um, which is very useful because it's going to come in handy. Hilo and Athena are taken captive. And the uh, some of the most repugnant, <laughs> disgusting things. This guy that we've seen before who was a part of the crew that had uh, molested and raped. Uh, six. Six. But she Gina. Had a, Gina. Gina. Yeah. Thank you. Um, specifically her. You know, they take Athena away and he starts talking to Hilo. He's like, yeah, mm, I'm going to do this again to, you know. Yeah. Ass really messed up. That's actually that guy to it, to me epitomizes why I would call this an anarchy as opposed to a dictatorship. The they, the yeah, people that they've let in are not they're, they're uncontrollable people. Then that would have to be the same for everybody. I'm just saying anarchy is just craziness. Not I I think that there's a a lack of even trying to control something. Zarek and, and Gaeta definitely want to control this. Especially, you know, Gaeta, he doesn't want anybody to be hurt. Let's just all have a good time and put me back in, you know, put me in charge and we'll have Zarek uh, back as president. I had a note. So Hilo and Athena go into the prison cell. Yeah. And we see that uh, Ty is there. I think at this point, uh, no, Ty is not there. There's a six. Anders, and there's a six. The one that's pregnant. Did you look at that six and see what she was wearing on her feet? No. Fancy high heels. Oh, yeah? Where in the world is she getting these fancy <laughs> high heels? Laura. I, I get that she's, you know, she's the pretty one, and so we want to make her all dolled up. But still, where maybe, is she getting maybe. these? It's actually just her feet. <laughs> and and they're, robotic. they're robotic. They're <laughs> robotic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, when when Felix finally does tip his hand all the way, Sergeant at Arms come in and arrest everybody. Yep. Uh, Gata promises there will be no forgiveness, no amnesty this time. Gata? Sorry. <laughs> Adama promises Gata that. <laughs> to ruin the best line. <laughs> Give that to Gata. <laughs> uh, and I just thought, you know what? That is it's a bold statement because I don't think he can follow through on it. Maybe to Gata and maybe to Zarek, as we'll, well see. Well, that, that is literally what happens. But that's, that's all the man's got at that point is he doesn't have any weapons. He can't really fight right. back. And that's all he can do is appeal as the person who is in charge to say, don't do what you're about to do. Shame on you. Bad dog. You know, my point is that he uses that. the stick instead of the carrot. Um, I love the comparison that we have here. The juxtaposition that he has forgiven so many people hmm. more recently literally the Cylons that he has forgiven them these people who had been in the fleet he still got Ty right there on his 
crew. Sure. Forgiven them. Cylons. Destroyed all of humanity. And these people don't get it. And I think that it's powerful because it's a strong statement for sure, but it's you guys are worse than anything else that we've possibly dealt with up to this point. Okay. Nothing is as bad as what you people are doing right here, right now. I hadn't interpreted it that way at the time. I'm glad we talked about it because I see your point and I think it actually is better when I look at it from that perspective. Okay, cool. Um, so Baltar is trying to get away. <laughs> He's doing everything that he possibly can. Well, and Tyrrell is helping Baltar's nymph squad prepare a defense of some kind, or uh-huh. at least a barrier barricade. It seemed weird. I'm not sure why Tyrrell is hanging out with Baltar as much as he is, unless, you know, they've made a connection between each other because of... That handshake? Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. Whatever. But he Tyrrell is there. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's what he starts to do. And he really, I think, starts to come back into himself. I agree. You see a little yeah. bit more of the Tyrrell we used to love. Um... Best part of this, Adama rescues himself. <laughs> Doesn't wait for anybody else. Uh, manages to do it. Um, and even, you know, takes this guy prisoner. And he's like, you're you're coming with me. Eventually, he's going to let that guy go. He's like, yeah. all right, you know, we can't just Get keep out of prisoners. Face, yeah. Get out of here. Um, you know, as they're, as they're leaving the bridge, uh, Adama walks very closely past... Gata, I think there's a little verbal exchange there, face-to-face kind of thing. And I just kept thinking to myself, if I were Adama, totally kick his cane out from underneath him right now. <laughs> Adama's a lot of things, but petulant? I am not sure that's one of them. Just saying, there's no way I could resist that urge. Just give it a kick. <laughs> that, that gets the, the butt of a gun up to your head, I think, when you do Not that. probably, but I wouldn't be able to resist it anyway. <laughs> Um, so Rosalind also is kind of coming to Lee and uh, Starbuck make their way to her and she eventually heads over to Gaius Baltar uh, because she's like, I can address them. Baltar, you You've got have that secret wireless. You've got this wireless thing. She speaks to the fleet until it's shut off. And Baltar calls Gaeta. To mm-hmm. say, hey, Gaeta, yeah, what are you doing here? I th- this is this is not okay. This is this is getting out of control here, kind of thing. Like, hey, I know you. Trying to make this connection to this man who is clearly lost, um, and not even Baltar can so, can manage to pull him back. Baltar says to him, you know, there's our little secret sealed with a very special pen. Uh, referring, of course, to the time when Baltar whispered something to Gaeta and Gaeta stabbed him in the neck with a pen as a uh-huh. result. And at the time, I thought, I know you're a Cylon. I thought that was what he whispered. Right? Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, I, I don't think we still to this day know what it was, right? No, I, okay. I don't. I just wanted to make sure I hadn't missed something because yeah. It seems a little bit late in the game to be revealing more secrets about Felix Gaeta. <laughs> I'm just going to say. Um, all right. So 
everybody manages to make it to the secret uh, hangar bay or the secret spot. I guess I don't know. It it's existed before. It's and it's the th- it's the place where the Cylon Raider boarded in the episode that was like you know the the Battlestar Galactica Witch Project episode the the handycam episode where the there no, were Cylons I don't think on board so, because remember those things came in the actual main hangar No they didn't they yeah cuz they they crashed inside the, the the long tube and you see them coming out of that <sighs> Okay I do remember that scene I just that what Tyrrell says here is I fixed it up from when the Cylons boarded us and everyone forgot that it was here because it wasn't working. It, it had been broken because of when the Cylons boarded us. So I don't know. I, I clearly still probably still the same time frame. probably maybe just dis- destroyed during that for some okay. reason. It's this magical other place where you can manage <laughs> to get a ship in and, uh, move around, I guess via the ship. Um, so Adama kisses Rosalind goodbye. Right in front of everybody. Yep. Who cares? Good for, little awkward moment. Good good for you, Bill. Um, and he sends her and Baltar off. They're going to fly away back over to the base ship. And he <laughs> sends Starbuck and... Um, Lee. Lee. Was Tyrrell there? No. I thought Tyrrell might have been there. Ty- well, Tyrrell is there. Tyrrell is there. Tyrrell just kind of wanders off on his own. I thought he went back up the same way. Who knows? Who knows? It's not important. Terrell's got his own plan. C- clearly. His we'll own, see. We'll yeah. see. Um, the They decide, okay, let's shut the doors. We'll let them get away. We'll make our stand here. <laughs> Butch and Sundance. <laughs> Bill and Saul. Now, did you notice the way that Colonel Ty was holding his gun? Well, he had... I remember at one point he had the two... Uh, rifles and he had them both akimbo so to speak once they you know because the other the marines show up and they're starting to cut through the door okay he's got one oh rifle. yeah he, he's pointing with his with his left eye he's got it in his right arm yep and he pulls his left eye over that so that he can aim through it we'll ignore the fact that i don't think you're getting great aim off of this regardless but whatever why doesn't he just shift it over to his left if if aim is so important to him? It's really interesting to me that you ask this because there are a lot of people who are taught to shoot holding the gun in the right and aiming with their left eye. It's where when you're right hand dominant and left eye dominant, it happens to a lot of people. I have never heard of this before. As as someone who grew up around people who were constantly training with guns. I saw it all the time. People who shoot right hand dominant, but left eye dominant, and they have to bring their left eye over the sights. And when it, when when he did it, I thought, oh, that's great. They actually have that actor. They showed him the correct pose to hold a rifle if you're right hand dominant hmm. and left eye dominant. That's interesting. If uh, if that's the case, that's awesome that they managed to get that right yeah. for for production value kind of thing. Um, I have little to no experience in that, but every part of me screams, yeah, that's wrong. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll go with, uh, with what you said there. Get a little bit more background. Um, fire in the hole. Yep. Toss the grenade through. Kaboom. Dee, as they said, to be continued, Dee said, oh, come on. <laughs> and I said, calm down. We have two episodes to watch tonight. <laughs> <laughs> 
that that this very action heavy episode there there was one thing that we in all the skipping that we skipped over that i wanted to point out okay which is uh as they're in the cell you have anders and athena and hilo and the six uh-huh uh Hilo is saying to Anders, hey, you know, you're more important. You're critical, especially you. You know, you're leverage. And Anders makes this comment about, hey, well, if you're looking for some grand secret wisdom of the universe, you're looking in the wrong place. The, the exact quote that I wrote down was, I don't have any more grand answers than you do. And I thought it was so great that finally someone is telling the Cylons, Hey, your great hope for the final five, they're just as lost and confused as you guys are. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it's not come up yet, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I, you're, you've summarized it correctly. The, they have no concept of what it is that they're doing. And this idea that has been raised, which is the final five, they know how to lead us. You know, they can they can do this for us. They, you know, they they'll make us all whole, so, so to speak, is for Garbage. for Anders. You know, it really he has no concept yeah. of anything else. Uh, he still is this person that he thinks he was with this new persona that's kind of attached <laughs> to him. So uh, interesting. Uh, anything else that you wanted no. to bring up? Okay, we'll go to Brainy's email. He says, For those who appreciate the writers of this show, we get another sweet episode from Mark Verheiden. His previous contributions have varied for BSG, but he has come a long way since writing Time Cop and The Mask. After a job with Smallville... And he joined the BSG staff as a low-level script editor. Working his way into the ranks, he seized the perfect opportunity of the writer's strike to make his mark. This episode denotes his transformation into an awesome TV writer. Algae coffee. <laughs> Yum. And rest in peace, Private Jaffe. We won't. We really won't miss you because we didn't notice you, you till you died. <laughs> I don't know who Jaffe was. Was he the guy that uh, was that his name that died down there in the? Uh, I guess so. The hangar yeah. bay. I I don't remember. I don't, don't know. In this episode, we learn that Starbuck is only happy when she is destroying something, whether that may be herself or everyone near her or just Lee. Not very shocking for the only character on the show whom does grow or change in any way. Probably because they she can't grow. I love this story arc because it makes perfect sense. It is the time for Zarek to make a move. People are insecure and this is a believable reaction to the recent controversial fleet decisions. But I think this thread would have been legendary if the writers would have included Lee in Zarek's group. It would have been a natural progression for the character. After losing his wife to the fracked Earth, after allowing Starbuck to grate his soul into dust, Lee's misguided ideals for a revolution would have been a compelling story. 
and all the more salient when the Admiral would have to, at the end, decide whether or not to kill his son along with Zarek and Geta. Kind of like Abraham. The idea would be reinforced with biblical allegories, and it could have been great. But, as we know from Ron Moore's commentaries, the writers are on strike right now in real time. Some great quotes in this one. Colonel Ty on the fake fire. What do they have down there, a forest fire? Saul is just the best in these episodes. Gaius insisting to his acolyte. No, I don't want the statue. You can keep the statue. Great levity. TV 9, Sci-Fi 6, Music 7. Uh, and I don't think we've got any other emails, so okay. that's it. Pete, your science fiction rating? I am going to say 6 for science fiction, only because it's not science fiction heavy. There's just a lot of stuff that's happening in space here. Nothing bad. A little bit better than average, but it's nothing spectacular as far as you know what you're looking for in science fiction. I think you summed it up well. I'm giving it a six. Uh, for television, I'm going to give this an eight, only because this is it's it's a lot of action stuff and it uh, enjoyable, superb, wonderful. I'm just saying it's not that. It's not getting up there. Yeah, I, I I gave it a seven. I like I said like I said earlier, I kind of felt like this was Starbuck diehard in, in some aspects. Um, Thankfully, it didn't focus on her. Yeah, too, too much. Too much. Yeah. If it had, this would be awful. It would be really be awful to make her this hero uh, <laughs> uh, that of of Galactica. Uh, anyway, I I ended up giving it a seven. Moving on to our next episode, Blood on the Scales. Whilst chaos reigns on Galactica, President Rosalind gathers the remnants of the fleet to her banner. Um, oof. I can see why Didi would be mad. If... <laughs> you had this, to wait a week for yeah, this. Yeah, you gotta wait. Um, because... Ugh. Turns out it was a flashbang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Admiral uh, uh, Adama and Tyre are now taken again. Um, at the end of that last episode, the Raptor is flying back over to the base ship, but it hasn't gotten there yet. This episode picks that up, and Geta is trying to find, okay, who's out there in the fleet that we can use? Oh, this the only people that are out there right now is Hot Dog and Narcho. And he says in the last episode, get Narcho on this. Yeah. He's, he's the one. But Hot Dog is the one who's actually closer. And he's actually got the shot for a while. Until President Rosalind's like, hey, this is the president. Do not shoot. You know, we're, you know, don't shoot at us. And Hot Dog's like, whoa, okay, this is weird. What? Yeah. And Narcho's yelling at him, hey, why haven't you done this? Obey your order. Do this. You know, get out of the way if you're not going to do this. And to the point where he managed, Narcho finally fires one of his missiles. Um, it misses the Raptor and hits into the base ship. <laughs> uh, in that amount of time, the Raptor manages to get aboard the base ship. Cylons, why they haven't started, f you know, launching a full-scale attack at this point, 
will leave. But they basically say, hey, why why are you firing on us? It's like, it's not us. There's a coup taking place right, right. now. And you, you need to uh, not leave. Do yes. not leave right now because if you leave... These other people, your your final five, they're going to be executed. They're going to be gone. You're going to lose them, and you have to give Adama a chance to to get back well, in control. Four of the final five, because mm-hmm. Tori is on board the base star, and she yeah, is yeah, in yeah. full on evil Tori mode. Here. <laughs> well, it's it's all about Tori. <laughs> uh, that's for sure. Um, it's going to turn out that she is the main character of the whole series, isn't it? <laughs> So the base ship, she says, hey, move into the fleet. So they move into the fleet yep. because that way... Genius idea. Galactica sh- can't shoot directly onto them. Um, Ty says to Anders, after Anders like, ah, oh, what's he going to do with us? Ty's response is, well, in your case, cut off one of your fracking legs. <laughs> That's a good tie, by the way. <laughs> I try. It's, it's a half-drunk... Uh, sort of Irish person. That's what I'm channeling when I do his lines. Um, another quote by Badger. He's brought in to this and they're like, Hey, we're going to have a trial, a trial, you know, and, uh, for, for treason here. And Badger's comment is, well, I'm not a very good shot. I'm not (laughs) sure why you've brought me here. Because he's like, the penalty for these is death. Yeah. And I loved Adama's response to the whole thing, though. When Gita's reading the charge, he's like, charged by whom? Like, I don't even recognize your authority to assert these things. So he says to Badger, they need a pimp. You know, (laughs) he's being disruptive. He's not going to, you know, allow them to do this thing. And after they read the the charges, he says, shove it up your ass. Yep. He does not think much of what they're doing. Clearly. And again, let's just remember, this is still the same day that all right. of this yeah, is happening. It all happens in about nine hours by my math. Yeah. Six to 15. So whatever that gets to, I can't do math. The quorum doesn't stand by Zarek. <laughs> Zarek gives him a chance. Okay, do the right thing. And the quorum says, nah, I think you should leave now. We'll wait for the president, Mr. Vice President. And Zarek comes out. He's kind of sad, shaking his head a little bit. I feel like he's genuinely sad <laughs> that these people will not stand behind him. I think he is genuinely That's sad interesting. here. And his comment is to the Marines, shoot them. I don't think he is genuinely sad. Oh, I, I see sadness in his huh. face right there. Because that doesn't discount the fact that he's still an evil jerk for saying go and kill them. He legitimately wants to be seen as the hero, the leader, the one who's doing this. And the way to legitimize this amongst the fleet is to get the the quorum on okay. your side. And in, he can't in, get that now. In that definition of sad, I agree with you. And so now he... All right, fine. Kill him. But we, we, I, I can't use this. Because they're not behind me, so therefore I'm not going to have the will of the people in all of this. But it kind of also gives Zarek a gift in that he can push Felix along a little faster now. He's like, look, this is the decision that we made. You, there's no turning back now. There's no you know, namby-pamby stuff. It's time. Yeah, Gaeta is very much uncomfortable with 
the blood that must be spilt in order for this yeah. to happen. And I think he's, you know, concerned about all this because um, uh, Zarek says to him, the truth is told by whoever is left standing. Yeah. Um, which is sad, but true, basically. Sure. Because you, you're the ones who get to write the history book. Unless, because unless you, you survived. Unless you become an, a culture of apologists. <laughs> um, so, Rosalind is... She's fighting hard to prevent the silence from leaving. Because they're basically saying, yeah, I don't see this going well for us. The fleet has also started to get away from them. And so, they're losing the protection yeah. that they have there. Everything's fracturing. And... She is just doing everything that she can to keep them from leaving. Apollo and Starbuck manage to make their way down and they rescue the Cylons that are in prison. So this includes Ty, Anders, uh, Athena, Hilo, and um, Hera. And yep. six. And the six that's there. Yep. Um, and it is... Um, they make their way out, and I can't remember the series of events, but for whatever reason, there's a stall. Some other Marines show up. They start firing. He's killed, but he gets a shot off, and it nicks Anders' head. I don't remember the whole series, but that's basically... Okay. The, all, all those things do happen. Basically, <laughs> w what happens. And they're like, oh my gosh, Anders' been hit. He's still conscious-ish. He's kind of lost some control of his <laughs> muscles and stuff. That's blood everywhere. And uh, so he, you know, she says, go, take, leave them, you know, take them out of here. I'll, I'll take care of Anders. Just go get them, get them off, get them away from here. And. But before that happened, there, there, there's one event I do want to go back and cover okay. really briefly. Uh as I believe it's as they were initially making their way to President Rosalind, we see a guy enter the restroom and go up to the urinal and begins to relieve himself. And Kara comes up behind him and pounds his face into the wall. Yep. And I chuckled. And I was like, why would you laugh at that? I said, <laughs> why wouldn't you? I said, because it's good to know that someone else is thinking about that every time they use a urinal. <laughs> Something I'm always terrified of. I'm thinking there's absolutely nothing I can do to protect myself right now. If someone were to come up behind me, it's, I'm done for. In, in Dungeons and Dragons, we would call that a prone position. <laughs> You've given yourself up. The other person has the initiative, literally. Okay. Coup de gras. <laughs> Unless your attack is to then pee on the person, which is still an attack, but... Uh, Probably less effective. Yes. Anyway, it's just something that's always terrified me, and I, I was glad to see at least one writer out there has also worried about this. <laughs> so, right after the, the scene with Anders being hit, we see Zarek and Gaeta questioning Adama. And they finally decide, okay, you're now convicted. You're, you're sentenced to death. What's interesting is it almost seems like Felix thinks that he can convince adama yeah which to come is, around to his side which is another part of this so sad storyline that felix gata thinks that he can 
that he's right and that he can manage to convince him. I, it just breaks my heart. It really just breaks my heart that, that this is happening yeah. to Gaeta. He who is such a bright, bright young kid. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's see here. Lampkin is being taken away and he manages to rescue himself because they come upon <laughs> the scene of, um, Kara and Anders. Yeah. Starbuck and Anders. And he uses his pen distraction to attack the guy with his pen and kills him yeah. successfully. And Starbuck pleads for help. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really only interested in me starts to go off and then his conscience kicks in and he's like all right fine to which my wife said see owning a dog made him a better person (laughs) (laughs) not sure how she got there but oh that's so good (laughs) way to go Didi. um okay so uh let's see here uh oh Baltar hooks up with another six. <laughs> How these things are, I, maybe they're programmed to love Baltar, to love Gaius Baltar. Um, and he's with her. They uh, share a bed and he seems he wakes up from this and <laughs> like his morality seems to wake up <laughs> In regards to his responsibility to humanity and to this fleet and to what is, I'm going to put in quotes, the right thing to do. So I, I took my notes uh, using a, a plain text editor. It doesn't have any formatting or anything. Uh-huh. Uh, had I not been using such an editor, I would have made this probably in 72-point font. <laughs> what? Baltar is going to grow a spine now <laughs> at this point. Unbelievable. I do not buy it. I just, I think it was a poor decision writing wise. I, I th- There's nothing they can do to redeem the character of Gaius Baltar. We've seen too many times who Gaius Baltar really is as a person and people don't change. Wow. So, uh, Gaeta orders the execution. Oh, by the way, we should mention the scene that we uh, have of Gaius Baltar. He's actually asleep, but he's seeing in his head this vision of Adama being led to the firing squad and shot and killed. Right. That's what wakes him up, literally. Which, if you're watching the show for the first time and see him actually shot, you're like... Oh my gosh! Did they just really kill Adama? I didn't believe it. I was like, okay, this is a dream. I, I thought it was going to be Adama dreaming that. So Gaeta orders the execution, and he does it apparently right after Adama has been freed, because we next <laughs> that see was pretty, that, was pretty that there's a gun to the guy's yeah. head as he says, "Yep." Okay, you got it, Felix. So here's my question. If that phone call, or if, if Ty and, and that crew don't show up and free Adama, do you think that guy orders the execution? Yes. I think he was wavering, and I don't know if he does. 
I don't see any part of him that wavers. I felt I felt there, that they should that they. If did. that's the case, I'd like you to point to what scene because there's very few people that that waver and change. One of them is Aaron. I think kind of seems to be from the first the previous episode, the the original uh, Marine. Yeah, Aaron is his name. Okay, and then the guy that Tyrrell meets. And he forms that connection with him as you, you know, and he's like, fine, get, get out of here, leave. And he finally comes to, and he eventually is part of the, the ones that I think helped to rescue yeah. uh, Adama. I don't see anything from this guy. This is Narcho. Okay. This, that's, that's who this is. As he was, as, as Adama was sitting there in the chair, he's tied up and Narcho is standing there over him. I don't know. I just felt I read a little bit of hesitance on the part of Nacho to carry out this order. I just felt that he portrayed that with body language. Uh, let's see here. Rosalind declares war on Zarek. <laughs> she goes nuts. Yeah. In in my mind, I was comparing her her screaming of. Uh, I swear it, I'm coming for all of you. I was like, you know, compare that to uh, Delenn. There's, oh, only, sure, there, there's sure. only one human captain who's ever faced yeah, yeah, the yeah. Minbarian lived. He, he is, is behind, behind me. me. You are in front of me. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Delenn one is clearly better. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, when you put it in that light, it's 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 along those same lines. Um the the funny thing is is Zarek lies all throughout this. I mean, he lies to Adama yep. about Ty being killed. He then lies to Rosalind. Rosalind about Adama being killed. Um, all still trying to grasp that last shred of power <laughs> that is quickly fleeing from his hands. Uh, Chief finally yeah, we gets finally to where, find out where he's been going for the past two episodes. So weird <laughs> to have him just randomly crawling around. At first, I you know you think is he just you know trying to hide and he's I running thought from he was place going after place? his son. Oh, okay. That's I where I thought he was headed the whole that. time. Kind of see that. Uh, anyway, he he's gets to the engine room where the FTL is, and. He manages to shut down the FTL physically. Yeah, takes out a, a component out, yeah. that is is necessary uh, because otherwise they jump away. Um, I Adama still takes control of the ship regardless of whether or not they jump sure. away. But you know, it's the last thing they've got. Oh, quick, let's just jump well, away with the people who are with us. And Turl at this point has no idea what else no, is going on. No, he has no idea. He's just trying to shut this down i think he sees it coming on which is why he gets yeah. as anxious as he does um and gata mentions you know while they're still in control as you know the ftl fails and he parrots the line one day soon there's going to be a reckoning um and then adama comes in and retakes galactica um and also Right after that, we have the scene with Tyrrell, and we actually see we get to see the FTL engine for the very first time. Yeah, that was kind of cool. It was. It was kind of neat. Uh, who knows what all that stuff does? But it was moving <laughs> parts, so that yeah. was cool. Um, but we see as 
Tira looks up, there's this massive rent rending of the ship. Yeah. Yes, the the metal itself is just coming apart. So is and that, this isn't a seam. This is just like right in the the piece of the bulkhead. Are, are we supposed to intuit from that that it's a result of the silent modifications to the FTL drives, or no. are we just supposed to go? Eh, apparently, there's some damage. I mean, is there is there this, something? This is. I'll just set the stage here okay. a little bit. This is number one, an old ship. Sure. One of the oldest that they had in the fleet that was still operational. It was going to be made a museum. Yeah. On top of that, it's now been under a lot of stress and duress. The constant battles that it has been in, and it has never once gone in for repairs. It's just limped along from place to place. Um, And there is something... We see it in the very first few episodes when we see FTL. You know, when they see it used, you know, uh, Callie's like, oh, no, I hate this. I hate this. You know, there's there's this thing that happens when a Mm -hmm. jump happens physically. We've been ignoring it for the last three and a half seasons. But there is this very real thing that happens when the Tilium ship jumps away. Because you have the two Vipers and the Raptor next to it. They kind of all. When it jumps, there's like this sucking that kind of moves them around in space yeah i think or at least i intuit from all of that there is a very real physical cost that comes to a ship from ftl and all things that i considered what seemed strange to me is that this is the first time ever anyone's ever noticed this huge hole or series of holes and it made me wonder if it's Brand new damage done by the installation of new FTL drives. No, No, because I don't think that they've actually done the installations yet. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's never stated. It's always talked about, okay, we're going to start doing this for the fleet, and the fleet's not letting us do this. So it never says whether or not Galactica had ever actually done it or not. Okay, that's fair. Um, uh, The saddest parts of this. Gate's last moments. He's he shares uh, a cigarette with Baltar, and I kind of want to believe that this is this is the priest coming to see mm. the convict before he is is okay. going to be executed, because that's kind of what Baltar is, um, and he makes the comment as well to Gaius. Listen, Gaius, don't don't preach to me. I, I'm not interested in listening to it. Um, he rubs his, he takes his thing off at one point and he, he rubs his leg and the, the shot that you get of it is the the leg is in bad shape. It, yeah. It's really, it's not doing well. It make I, there are no maggots, but it makes me think there are maggots down there that it's just rotting. It certainly away. doesn't look clean or healing at all. No, not in the, in the slightest. Um, their scene ends as they share, you know, Gaeta tries to humanize himself again and say, hey, you know, I I had a, a future once. I wanted to be this An other thing, yeah. you know, and I, I had all of these other dreams and ambitions that, you know, just never really happened, you know, trying to, I think, with some semblance of normality to the end of his life that he's trying to maintain. He's in there sitting in the chair with Zarek and... His last word is last words are it stopped. Yeah. 
the pain associated with this leg, the agony that he has been dealing with. It's finally done and over. And then we have Adama say, fire. And they're dead. Episode ends. It wasn't until this moment that I actually paid attention to the little clock. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like and 1537 so I, Yeah, something. so I had to go back and look at the first episode. I was like, oh, this all happens over the course of basically a work day. Mm-hmm. Which caused me to write the following little imagined <laughs> piece of dialogue. <laughs> Hi, honey. How was your day? Oh, fine. Got beaten, shot at, betrayed by a trusted friend, and repelled a coup. How was yours? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to, nope, to talk about? let's go to uh, listener comments here. Okay, Brainy uh, says, The only thing I wished for that didn't happen was to extend the story of Gaius t- uh, Gaius's toaster convert from the Cylon base star. It would have been sweet if his toaster sidekick was hanging out with the Nymph Squad. And then old Toasty could have saved everybody, making Gaius and his sidekick uh, Toasty the new colonial heroes. (laughs) But the unfolding we do get was good too. Michael Angeli is a favorite writer of mine. uh, His use of the metaphor... Uh, of metaphor is in this episode profound using Gatum's Gata's phantom limb pain and with chief crawling through the bowels of Galactica to disable the FTL drive. I love how the, uh, I love how Starbuck is left to drag around unconscious Sam. What great symbolism for she is being forced to carry the baggage slash consequences of the man she betrayed the admiral to find, marry, and destroy. Because that's what she does. What a sweet scene it is when Romo Lampkin returns. And then, after the admiral sets the pen down, refusing to betray his beliefs in a statement of, uh, of course, Romo swipes it. Crazy klepto that he is. (laughs) Plus, it looked like a very nice pen. And then, bam! While he is being escorted, I love how Romo kills the Marine, referring to him as his pen pal. One more great image. After Adama is rescued, the shot of the captured Marines on their knees with their hands above their heads and the Admiral standing in front of them is awesome. Gaeta's final scene is just incredible, recounting the childhood of architecture with Gaius. As they share a smoke and some cups of algae coffee, we uh, when we covered Angeli's first BSG episode, Six Degrees of Separation, I foreshadowed this scene where Felix refers to his big ideas for restaurants shaped like food. Everything had to have stairways. It's just great writing. It demonstrates how throughout Felix's life, he was constantly trying to engage the world by attempting to organize his surroundings into improved patterns. He is also trying to balance his sense of ideals with a practical, empirical application, as he did with architecture, science, and military life. More so, working for the Baltar administration, he tried to do what he thought was the right thing resolving his inner conflict as a secret informant. But his lost leg 
during Hilo's previous mutiny on Starbuck's garbage ship, the Demetrius drives him to his final descent. This is why it is so powerful when Gaius tells Felix, I know who you are, for he truly does. And Gaius as character then grows and Gaius's character then grows exponentially. Although the mutiny was misguided, Gaius finally understands the noble act of self-sacrifice for a belief through Gaeta's eyes. Brilliant and poignant, I can't think of too many scenes or endings that I enjoyed more in a series. This two-parter is quintessential BSG. TV 10, Sci-Fi 6, Music 7. Joey's Final 47. <laughs> Maybe less. How did your wife um, go about deducing that Ellen was number five? You know, I never asked her. It's a good question. Okay. Did you notice that Lieutenant Hoshi had sided with Adama and against Gaeta? This is compelling because Hoshi and Gaeta had become lovers. So what will Hoshi's reaction to his dead boyfriend be? <laughs> what? I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I don't think that's a real question. Okay, okay. Uh, because <laughs> I I wasn't aware that they I were lovers. Believe he's making that up. Okay, could be wrong. Could be wrong. What's going to happen to Bullethead Sam? Be creative. <laughs> I think he's finally going to get the grand answers. This is this is going to become a transformative experience for him, and he's going to get a connection to the divine, or whatever it is that the hybrids are plugged into, whatever you want to call that force. Uh huh. And he will start to become a prophet. So cr the wires will cross, so to speak, and he's suddenly tuned into a new frequency. Yeah, and yeah. And, and he becomes Samuel the prophet. <laughs> Where was Doc Cottle? <laughs> Smoking a cigarette down <laughs> in the sick bay. <laughs> I like to believe that Doc Cottle would just tell everybody to piss off. You know, <laughs> he's just going to take care of whoever's hurt. Doesn't right. matter yeah. to him. He's not going to pick sides. I don't care. You guys go figure it out. I've got people to go and help. Yeah. That, that's how I like to think of Cottle. Because no one wants to mess with Cottle. <laughs> he's, he's the only doctor we've got, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um,. Compare and contrast Gaeta's idealistic insurrection moves between these episodes and his new Caprice dog bowl days. I'm not sure why it's new. New Caprica? Yeah, that probably makes a lot more sense. Uh, new Caprica dog bowl days. So compare and contrast his actions here with his actions yeah. uh, on New Caprica. Uh, yeah, I'm... <sighs> I think the fact that there is no hope out there anymore. The, the, we've got to Earth. It's not a solution. There's nothing here for us. Has led to a level of despair inside of Gaeta that all he really wants is everything to go back the way it was. I just want everything back the way it was. And maybe if I can convince Adama... The Cylons are supposed to be our enemies. Then I'll know I'll have my moral compass back. Whereas in the new Caprica days, he had a moral compass. He knew 
the resistance was the thing the the Cylons are clearly still the enemy the humans are still my friends I have to you know I have to fight this fight now he doesn't know who the enemy is it, you know I I think in a lot of ways it it is comparable to the stories that I've heard about men coming back from war where they don't know who the enemy is anymore you know they went from that very clear world of black and white and now there's this world of obligation and duty and responsibility day in day out and it's not clear where the enemy is anymore and they've become in some sense a weapon point me shoot me tell me what to do and instead now they have to find their own rudder mm-hmm. um, and and i think that is the difference between where felix is now to where he was two seasons ago okay or season and a half where does gaius go from here also Toasty and the Nymph Squad. <laughs> Great name for a band. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Uh, yeah, again, I just, I I don't think that it's a smart move as a writing. I, I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to buy a shifting character from Gaius Baltar at this point in the series. Um, I don't disagree with you, but I'm going to play devil's advocate for a little bit. There has been so much that has been seen. There has been a lot. Wouldn't eventually something come along to shake him out of his extreme selfishness? Would there not something be there to wake him from this myopic view of, I'm only concerned about me? And everything that we've seen so far with his harem and with this religious group that he's created i i don't think counts i think he's that's just been one the latest arm of Mm -hmm. this is how i can maintain whatever amount of comfort or whatever it is that i i need this is how gaius baltar survives i i i feel like if it had been possible one of the events that we've seen over the past three years would have been the trigger I mean, we've been through the gamut with Gaius Baltar. It's We've seen the highs, we've seen the lows. Nothing ever shook him. And I don't feel like there's a cumulative effect to this kind of thing. I feel like it's there There are peaks and there are troughs, but you, you don't say, you know, oh, well, you know, enough negative things eventually over time are going to wake me up. I think that what we've seen is that the negative keeps driving him deeper into the person that he is. It accentuates the selfishness that is at the core of Gaius Baltar. And I just don't see, you know, anything in the six episodes we have left (laughs) transforming that character enough to make this a believable transition. Let me throw this at you. Season one, you hated the Cylons. You vehemently said there is nothing that they can do (laughs) to redeem themselves. They they are absolutely evil. They are bad. This is, there can be no good Cylon. Okay. They're evil. And then you you came around on that. That's why I was careful to say in the six episodes that we have left. (laughs) There's just not enough story left to give this evolution of Gaius Baltar legs to make it believable. They came to it too late. They would have had to have come to it at least six episodes ago. Here's my, here's the reason why I keep 
pegging you on this is I, I legitimately think that people can change. Anybody can change or as, or as, um, I'm going to make, give a quote from the unit. Okay. Um, uh, I, I always think of him as the president. Jonas. Jonas. Thank you. Uh, Jonas sad. Blaine, right? Yeah. Jonas Blaine. Uh, someone asks him, you know, who just dealt with this horrible thing and, you know, she's realizing some things about herself now. And she's like, do you believe people can change? And he flatly says, no. And then that person leaves. And then his his other cohort comes by and it's like, wow, it's pretty harsh. You, you really don't think people can believe can change? No. But I've seen it once. <laughs> Which is to indicate, you know, yeah, the words are all nice and dandy, but when it actually comes down to it, people change. They do make a change in their lives. And so I have made many changes in my life. I like to believe that even someone as vile and as unworthy of life as we've indicated that Gaius is, even he can change at some point. I That's why I continue to question you that's that's just my okay. two cents as me as a person it's ugly it's uncomfortable and if i know gaius baltar i just want to punch him in the in the face every time i see him because that's this guy's done some awful yeah. awful things yeah. but i want to believe that he can still change i i am more of the opinion that higher level ethereal kind sure. of discussions i'm i'm more of the opinion that People don't necessarily change, but they can choose not to acknowledge the worst parts of themselves. That that part is still there. That seed, that core uh, okay. of who you are is still there, but you can choose the higher road. You can suppress it. You don't really change, but you can make the good choice anyway. Does that make sense? It's, yes, it's a fine distinction, ish, yeah. but it's an important one for me because... I, and and it's because of me that I make that assertion because I know there are still these really dark and terrible things inside of me, oh, no but doubt. I choose no not doubt. to acknowledge them. I choose not to partake yeah. of them. They're still there. I, I cannot get rid of them, but I can suppress them. I can sure. choose the better demon. I, I like that uh, description, but could it not reach a point in time where there legitimately is no more... Like, yeah, that, that piece of me that is bad, that is terrible, I, that I just don't acknowledge that anymore. And you don't even have to try and keep it down. Potentially, maybe. I, I, I can't see that from where I am today. I, I can grant that it's possible, but not in the amount of time we have left with the character of Gaius Baltar. It's, it's too late in the game to try and switch us around on this character. Okay. Each episode represents a year. I probably didn't mention that. <laughs> so six more years. <laughs> that uh, change anything no that's uh, a lie um okay anything else uh, you wanted to cover uh otherwise uh, you're up with the sci- sci-fi rating. you know I, I i just i did appreciate this moment that we kind of breezed past of tyrell running into this guy mm-hmm. that you know that he'd worked with in the past and they they shared a few memories and stuff like that and then the guy's like just go you know just get in the hole and go do whatever it is you're on your way to do and Still struggled with that. Like after the guy, after Terrell's left the room, he's still struggling with it. 
Um, I just thought it was a well-written scene. In the middle of all of this chaos, there are still human moments going on here. Sure, yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed that. For uh, science fiction, uh, again, like the last episode, I don't feel like there's a whole lot of science fiction going on, but we did see the FTL drive. Sure we did, yeah. So I'm going to go from a 6 up to a 7 for that. <laughs> Uh, it's a good point. Uh, it's a nitpicky distinction for me. I'm going to keep it as a six. Okay. Uh, for television, I I enjoyed this one slightly more than the last one. I'm going to give it an eight. I, I just felt that there were more weighty moments to this one. It was a little less action, but more drama. Um, the reintroduction of Romo Lampkin, I find eye-rollish. <laughs> it's kind of nice, but in some regards, it's it's sort of like, um, it's the, it's one more incredibly fortuitous event that, you know, works out well in so many different angles. Yeah, but that, that's what happens. It's fine. Um, I'm going to give this a nine, uh, might've gotten a 10 if not for other little things like that. That just kind of, while it saddens me to, to no end to see the character of, uh, Gaeta, descend into such poor decisions and allow himself to be manipulated um, by uh, Tom Zarek to the point where he chooses to follow after a man that he he tried at one point to like prevent from getting elected mm-hmm. voter fraud. It is so sad to see him fight against the thing that I think he really, truly loves, but has managed to forget for whatever reason, which is the ideals and values of being a member of the uh, the fleet. And this man that I think he looks up to as a father, um, Bill Adama, that he, he's, for whatever reason, has forgotten. And he's allowed poor decisions sure. to dictate the end of his up until this point really good life um and i see so much of gata in him that that's i really is what kind of saddens me so much <laughs> um and well, i guess we know where you're headed pete jeez i hope i don't <laughs> lose my leg please um so yeah a nine beautiful story Sad story yeah. to, to the end of, of Gaeta. You know, one of the things that I remembered uh, that I wanted to talk about, it wasn't in my notes, but as you were talking, it came back to me, was really refreshing to finally see somebody kill Zarek. <laughs> finally, he's annoying. He's a pain in the butt. Like, he, there, since, since we first met him, we've been like, boy, somebody ought to just kill this guy. He causes so many issues. How much different would it have been if that very first season when we see Tom Zarek for the first time, if they legitimately just shoot him dead? Yeah. You know, the uh, Starbuck kills him and it's it's all over. Like, <laughs> what in the world happens to the rest of this fleet without that man there? I got to think only good things. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We hope that you've been inspired to take a deeper look at your entertainment choices and discuss it with friends, family, or just a couple of complete strangers you only know from the internet. As always, we invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. You can tweet Pete at trekwest5, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-508-4242. So until next time, I am Joey. 
And I am Peter. And we thank you for listening.